0: Hello everyone, thank you so much for being here today. My name is Victoria De Los Santos and I'm the Community Education Program Coordinator with Mujeres Unidas Women Together. And with me I
1: have... Hey guys, my name is Jasmine. I'm the Sexual Assault Outreach Advocate with Mujeres Unidas.
0: So today we want to talk about how children are impacted by domestic violence. Um, The violence can be whether emotional, verbal, mental, sexual abuse, physical abuse. And we want to mention how these children are affected in the long term and short term. So prior to this, we did talk about the different forms of abuse and the different types of abusers that we may encounter. And so all these topics are very sensitive and some people may be triggered by these topics. So if you do find yourself feeling uncomfortable um, about these topics, we we do invite you to look at the description box. We have provided links in which you can go to that way you can become a little bit more informed about these topics and and get help in case you need that help. So today, like I said, we want to focus on children. Uh, Many children are exposed to violence in the home and are also victims of physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional, verbal, or mental abuse. Children who witness domestic violence or are victims of abuse themselves are at a very serious risk of long-term effects, such as mental and physical problems. Children who witness violence between parents may also be at greater risk of developing abusive characteristics on themselves. So sometimes if we don't talk to our children about the different forms of abuse and how it's not okay, these children will develop characteristics that will affect them in the long run with trying to build relationships, trying to be um,
1: someone who is not an abusive
0: individual.
1: Yes, and like domestic violence occurring at home so frequently, it's also very common for sexual abuse to occur at home. So I know on the previous podcast, we didn't really elaborate as to what sexual abuse was. So let me quickly, you know, tell you what sexual abuse is. And it's a type of maltreatment or violation or exploitation that refers to involvement of the child in any sexual activity to provide, you know, sexual, sexual gratification or financial benefit to the perpetrator, to the aggressor. So like I said, it's very, very common for children to experience, experience sexual abuse at home, You know, children are very vulnerable. They might not understand why the abuse is occurring. Um, So I know, like Victoria said, we're going to elaborate and identify, you know, the short-term and long-term effects of domestic violence and sexual abuse in children. So, uh, Victoria, can you please explain?
0: Yeah, so um, it's very good that you mentioned about sexual abuse. Uh, Sexual abuse and just domestic violence in general it's just something that a lot of people don't like to talk about it's a very uncomfortable conversation and it's something that we must try to get out of our comfort zone and actually talk about these things because our children are being affected every single day so i'm just going to mention some short-term effects on children that abuse has on them um by abuse i mean any form of abuse that like we've mentioned already so children in homes where one parent is abused may feel fearful and anxious the child will most likely always feel like they have to be tiptoeing around the house they'll develop anxiety which is where they they just don't feel comfortable talking to other people they don't feel comfortable expressing their emotions they feel so anxious to just get home because they already know that there's going to be abuse going on that there's going to be yelling and physical assault um they may they they may also always be on guard wondering when the next violent event is going to happen So um, every child is different. Every human being is different. Everyone reacts very different to the different forms of abuse. And that's something that we need to acknowledge because sometimes we just expect someone who's going through abuse or observing abuse constantly to be someone who's very angry or someone who is always crying, but that's not the case. We can't really say oh well someone who's going through abuse is always going to be crying because sometimes the person who's going through abuse would just rather be silent or would rather just act like nothing's going on because it's a lot of shame so um children like i said react very differently and their age really has a lot to do with the way they react so for example a child who is in preschool a young child who witnesses intimate partner violence in their home um, will most likely start doing things that they used to do when they were younger, when they needed their parents most. So for example, they'll start, they will start wetting the bed, they'll start sucking on their thumb, they'll be very, very sensitive to certain things, they'll always be whining, um, they'll have trouble sleeping, or they'll always be sleeping, feeling exhausted with no energy, not wanting to interact with anyone. And so this is something that they develop because in a way, they want the attention to be towards them. In a way, um, they believe that if the attention is towards them, then the person that's receiving the abuse, the person that they love, will, not, will no longer be receiving the abuse because the attention is towards the child. And so this is something that you know if you work with children that are that are around this age and you see for example if you work at a daycare and you see that there's a child that's constantly wetting the bed that's constantly very silent just rather be alone then this is something that it should be a red flag for you to to see maybe if you need to investigate a little bit about how how it is um in the home and then we have school age children which is children in middle school um children in this age may feel guilty about the abuse and blame themselves for it this is where the child kind of develops this idea of suicide so the child is constantly going home and observing their parents fighting the abuse um, maybe it's the father being abusive towards the mother or the other way around and so the child feels that maybe because their grades are not as high or maybe because they're not into sports or maybe because they're not the they're not so perfect or they don't see themselves as perfect they feel that the abuse that's going on is because of their fault so they feel so guilty that they just They just want to make it end and so this is when the idea of suicide comes into place and this is why it's very very important to talk about these things um in schools our teachers our counselors need to talk about how any form of abuse is not tolerated and how um the the victim or or the person seeing the abuse is not responsible for any of the abuse that they're encountering a lot of the times these children will be the ones that are always having stomach aches or they say that they feel sick so they want to go home because they just don't want to be surrounded by anyone and then we have the teenagers who witness abuse Um, they usually act out in very negative ways they'll usually be the ones wanting to start a fight wanting to start an argument Um, they won't care about their grades all they would care about is just leaving the house and just doing their own thing Um, A lot of the times, they'll start doing alcohol or drugs or get get involved into sexual intercourse at a very young age. And because they don't have that guidance at home, they don't have that person that tells them, you know what, this is not okay, or you know what, you shouldn't tolerate this or that. This individual just starts creating habits that are very unhealthy, which leads them to become um, incapable of forming healthy relationships or, or healthy habits so these are just some short terms that you will sh- some short-term effects that you will see on children um like i said the age really matters depending on how the child will react um but we can we need to make sure that we're aware that we cannot compare every child every child is different and um every child responds to to the abuse very very differently yes and
1: i just want to emphasize that sexual abuse and domestic violence are, you know, a form of abuse. So I really don't want you guys to get confused as to, you know, maybe they're different or something, you know, but they are part of, the, of an abuse. And I liked how Victoria shared her long-term and short-term effects with domestic violence. But when I was conducting my research on sexual abuse, short-term effects, I really didn't find anything. Um, I read that it's more likely for a child to be impacted long-term if they've been sexually assaulted. It, like I said, it's very rare that they will be, you know, affected in a short period of time. So sometimes a child doesn't see that the abuse as an inappropriate long-term. It's not, it's not a, inappropriate. So the long-term trauma, you know, overcomes them and, and affects them. Um, so how are children affected, you know, by sexual abuse long-term? Well, children are, are affected. They can experience, you know, long-lasting physical or psychological consequences. And it, I read that, you know, it's very likely that children can be re-victimized, you know, uh, twice in their lifetime or many, many more times. So sexual abuse in children can lead uh, to pregnancies in girls and sexual transmitted disease and in girls and boys, or it can lead to physical injuries, you know, to their bodies, to their private areas and in different areas because the abuser, you know, is stronger, you know, they're more powerful than them. So, how does this affect the children in school? So, it affects them, you know, they might self-isolate from other children. They might not, you know, want to talk or they might not trust them. You know, they'd rather be alone and, you know, deal with what they have to deal with. Um, they, not, they might not want to speak up about it. So, and many times, um, children who go or attend school, you know, they have extracurricular activities such as, you know, PE, soccer, all those different sports so they might try to avoid, you know, getting into sports or you know, you know, different extracurricular activities where your body is being shown or where you might have to undress in front of other people. So they're they're affected, you know, their so their social life, you know, is affected. They might not want to be, you know, close to other people. So this um this may lead to you know self self isolation can lead to depression. Children become depressed as to what is happening, you know, they might be confused, they might feel guilty that it's their fault that, you know, why is this happening to me? Is it this is this my fault? They might feel shamed, because um, the perpetrator is abusing them, they don't know, you know, what's happening, they might blame themselves, or they might develop the anxiety, you know, having or fearing, like, when is it going to happen again? What's going to occur, you know? Am I safe? They might, you know, practice unsafe sex in teenagers. A lot of the times children who have been sexually abused at a young age may uh, practice unsafe sex in in their older teenage life. So it's it's very, very important, you know, to talk about these topics because as well as unsafe sex, teenagers may also, you know, develop substance abuse to help them cope. Um, they might have a lower self-esteem, especially in, in girls, you know, girls develop lower self-esteem, they might not see themselves, you know, as, as somebody that's worth it, or they might be, you know, embarrassed, they might also develop relationship problems as teenagers, you know, at the time they their teens, you know, they start developing relationships, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, so they might not really, you know, understand how to handle that type of relationship, and they always come back to, you know, to having PTSD, to having flashbacks, you know, about the abuse, so like I said, um, depression is is more common and to be, and is found to be the most common, you know, long-term symptom in children, survivors. So they might feel worthless. They might, like I said, feel like it's their fault, that they have nothing else to offer. They might be confused as to why is this happening to me? Why this person that I trusted so much, you know, broke this promise. Why are they doing this to me? So they begin to have suicidal ideations, you know, you know, they might be tired of the abuse. They don't know how to get out of it. You know, they don't know who they can talk to. They might have sleep disturbed patterns. They might wake up in the middle of the night. They might not be able to sleep. They might have insomnia, you know. And many times, I know, I think Victoria mentioned that, you know, children regress back. And, you know, they they wet the bed. They suck their thumbs. You know, they go back to to that type of, of, of patterns, you know. And they begin to develop different... Um, disorders and you know it, it's very 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 common for survivors of child abuse to blame themselves for the abuse, you know. So children won't really disclose um about the the abuse. So um they might feel like they um you know like I said they might feel like it's their 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 fault, you know, they don't really understand why this is occurring. So it's very, very important to, to allow children to express themselves, express their emotions. Um, like I said, uh, children really don't speak up. So I know we're gonna talk about why is it the reason that children don't speak up? Why do they keep quiet? What's holding them back? And it's very important, like I said, to be a very, very good support system to the children. But I know me and Victoria are gonna, you know, briefly go over the reasons why children don't speak up and how sexual abuse has affected them you know, to keeping them quiet and what perpetrators do, you know, to make sure that this abuse can occur for so long. And it is a known fact that many times the abuse can occur for years. And I I really want to, you know, explain the reasons why. So, Victoria, can you explain the reasons why, you know, children in domestic violence, you know, don't speak up or children that are being abused don't speak up?
0: A lot of the times, these children, um, whenever they they haven't had someone to talk to them about how abuse is not tolerated or how someone how there's help out there, you know that there's services in our community. A lot of the times, these children um, don't know that the services are out there, so they're too afraid to speak up, or they feel like their family is going to be separated and they're not going to have anyone to talk to. They're not going to have a home to go to, and that's not the case. And so these these children become um filled with fear and anxiety and just they they just completely feel like they're alone a lot of the times those children become isolated and they feel that the best way to overcome it is okay well you know at this point i'm already in high school um just a couple more years and i'll be able to go to college and i'll be able to leave my home and just i'll just forget about this that can be one of the situations another situation maybe the child is is a is a toddler and the child isn't really aware that what they're going through isn't something normal isn't something that should be that is allowed in society you know but because they don't have someone teaching them and educating them on their rights and what violations, you know things that should not be violated in their bodies or in their private, um, they're not educated enough so they're not aware that that, that that's something that needs to stop so at the end of the day, this, this all goes back to, our children are not educated about the different forms of abuse. Our children are not educated about their rights. Our children are not educated about, you know, how their parents should be treating them, how there shouldn't be any kind of abuse in their homes. And the person who usually receives the abuse will most likely just remain silent as well because of fear, the fear of losing their family, the fear of, you know, maybe the person is, um, fearing that the, the aggressor is just gonna do something worse. Maybe the individual is fearing that the aggressor is going to kill them. Or maybe the child just doesn't wanna think about it. A lot of the times it's this idea that if you don't think about it, if you don't acknowledge that you're being sexually assaulted, if you, you don't acknowledge that you're being physically assaulted, then it's not really happening. And, and that's just the way that our mind works. Our mind works this way so that we're able to protect ourselves, that we're able to protect our emotions and And so, once it just becomes a law, once there's too much abuse going on, our bodies will react to it and and there's gonna be a point where the the individual is gonna have to talk about it, whether it be a child, whether it be an adult. So when our bodies are very overwhelmed with the abuse, the child will most likely become start with the suicidal ideation, the child will most likely always be crying, always be emotional, always be angry. Um, And then if it's an adult, the adult will most likely seek help. The adult will most likely be at the lowest point in their life and be desperate to leave the home to, to, you know, to find rescue somewhere. So, you know, the body will tell you when it's time to leave, when it's time to, to stop this abuse that's going on. And so I think that's something that we really wanted to mention is... Um, something that we, you know, I believe that a lot of us wonder is can children recover from witnessing or experiencing domestic violence or sexual assault? Um, I know that Jasmine also wanted to mention some, some forms of some reasons of why children don't speak up, but I do want to mention that as far as domestic violence, any form of violence encountered in the home, um, something that we can do is always, always try to get the child in an environment where they feel safe where they feel comfortable. So for example, if the abuse is happening at home and the abuser is not willing to leave, get the child out of that abusive home and move them into a place where they feel safe, where they feel like they can be themselves, where they can find their their own identity. Um, We can also allow the child to express their feelings. If the child expresses their feelings by painting or by drawing, then allow the child to do that because that's what will allow the child to feel peace. Um, if the child wants to express their feelings by crying because they're never able to cry, by feeling angry because they can never show their anger, then allow the child to cry, allow the child to to show the anger, allow the child to express all those emotions that they have had to um, you know, hide inside of them. And then we also, I think it's very important to, to mention that Having a good support system is going to be the most important part, because if the child is able to have a good support system, then they will know what it's like to build a healthy relationship. If the child is talked about um, how abuse should not be tolerated, how a healthy relationship consists of communication, of trusting, of protecting each other, then the child will grow up to be this way, to protect each other, to trust someone, you know, to respect someone. And then we have, um, once the child is able to develop these these techniques of having a healthy relationship, then their self-esteem will increase. When someone is living through abuse for so, so long, their self-esteem decreases so much because of the mental abuse, the emotional abuse, the verbal abuse. And so when, when a child or an individual is just being educated of their rights, just being empowered, just being taught that no one has the right to treat you any less than what you are, then the child will develop very, very uh, high self-esteem. Their confidence will increase and they will no longer feel afraid to show their emotions and show the world who they are and find their true identity. And so this will allow them to develop very healthy relationships and friendships at a very young age. And as they grow up, then this will allow us to break the cycle of any form of abuse. But before any of this is done, we have to understand why children don't speak up. We have to understand why adults don't speak up. And so I I just wanted you to see how we can do so much, but without, without understanding why people don't speak up, we're not able to achieve, you know, helping someone have confidence, helping someone create healthy relationships and friendships. So Jasmine, do you want to share a little bit more about why children don't speak up?
1: Yes. Um I really wanted to emphasize that many times children when they don't speak up, they're most of the time groomed by the perpetrator. And how is that, you know, maybe the perpetrator, you know, tells them, threatens them or tells them don't say anything or whatever happens in this home stays in this home. So a lot of the times, uh, the child, you know, might idolize or love this this person, this abuser, so you know, they don't want to hurt them. They don't want them to get in trouble or, you know, go to jail or, or stuff like that. So, and in my case with sexual abuse, a lot of the times, um, children who are being sexually abused, you know, don't speak up because a lot of the times these perpetrators, like I said, they groom them, they, you know, give them special attention. They might give them gifts or bribe them, or at many times, you know, they might fill the child's unmet needs, or they might have recently, or for a long time, you know, Fill the role in the family, and that child, you know, is close to them, or they might treat the child as if they're older. Um, but like I said, um, many of the times the abusers are relatives. Uh, like I said, um, so they might really, really care about them. So a lot of the times when children are being sexually abused, you know, they might be concerned uh, about you know disclosing. You know, will the fam- will the family believe me? You know, what are their reactions going to be? Will they, you know, tell me that I'm I'm wrong or that it's my fault? So they're, they're really scared. So they try, they hold back and, and they really, really try hard, you know, to keep it a secret. And many times maybe the child has already disclosed that they're being abused or there's abuse at home. So they might feel like if they already told some somebody and nothing was done. So what if, why does it matter if I tell somebody else? if nothing else is gonna be done. So the people minimize the abuse so the child feels like they're helpless. Um and like I uh Victoria said earlier, you know, the child might seem like the abuse is normal at home. The perpetrator might tell them, Oh, this is normal, there's nothing to worry about it. So they don't know or they don't realize that this is a form of abuse. So they live on with it. And like Victoria said earlier, you know, they might wait till you know they're out of out of school, you know, they go to college to get away from the home. So they're really, you know, shaped and and and, you know, they're shaped into thinking that you know, if this is an, a healthy environment, this is a healthy home. Like, there's nothing going on here, everything is normal. But in reality, you know, a lot of the times, children or adults don't know that this is actually a form of abuse. So they might not know, like I said earlier, that there's a lot of help available out in the community. You know, they they might they might not have someone who they can trust. You know. They have these adult figures, these people that they love that broken trust and broken promises that they they have they have lost a sense of trust you know as an individual, so like I said, a lot of the times they're they're afraid they're afraid to speak up they're afraid that they're going to get hurt that they're that they're going to hurt somebody that they love that they something's going to happen, something bad's going to happen for telling you know they they're constantly you know being threatened you know if you say something you know this this is going to happen so a lot of the times, you know, children stay quiet, parents stay quiet because they're afraid. They're afraid of the abuser. They're afraid of the perpetrator. So um, I know Victoria would like to share some of her, you know, uh, reasons why children don't speak up.
0: Um, and so, yes, I think that what you mentioned is, is, is something very, um, very important. And, and, and I think that there's so many other reasons why children don't speak up, why adults don't speak up. And and so I think that at the end of the day what we want to really emphasize on is the importance of caring for our mental health. And so just the way as adults we care for our mental health and, and whenever we're feeling, you know, we're not feeling um physically okay, we feel ill, we feel sick, we go to the doctors. Well the same should be done whenever you're you're experiencing depression or anxiety or just you feel so much anger, you should go to to a psychologist, to a counselor, to talk to someone about all those thoughts and those emotions and everything that you have encountered. And so something that we wanted to mention is how can we help our children recover after witnessing or experiencing any form of abuse? And so what we say to that is, we need to make it acceptable to take our children to therapy. Um, there is a lot of therapies that a child can go through. It can be cognitive therapy, which is a kind of therapy that teaches the child how to cope with certain um experiences that, that, that they have experienced, teaches them new behaviors instead of reacting with anger, they teach them how to react, you know, in a more peaceful way that doesn't cause stress or anxiety towards them. Um we also have like play therapy where if the child is a toddler or the child is barely, you know, starting to develop their own identity. You know the therapist will work with the child to to make sure that the child doesn't develop an identity that is overwhelmed with all the trauma that they have lived so we just want to mention that therapy is such an important a very very important way to overcome any trauma that anyone has um gone through and therapy doesn't have an age age group you know um if you're a child you can go to therapy if you're in your mid-20s you can go to therapy if you're an adult and an elderly you can go to therapy therapy is just a way to heal your mind of all the traumas that you have been experiencing. And so we just wanted to mention that. We just want to mention the importance of caring for our mental health, the importance of taking care of ourselves after some form of abuse. And so I believe that this leads to the end of our podcast. Um, I know that Jasmine probably um, wants to add something about, you know, any recommendations that we can do to
1: care for ourselves and our mental health. Yes, Victoria. Thank you. I just really wanted to uh, say that... uh, Continue to be a supportive role model to your child, you know, it, if that means leaving your relationship, leaving the abusive home, you know, it can really impact your child's life. So I really, really want to emphasize, you know, take your child to the local doctor, you know, to be examined, to see to seek um, counseling or psychological help, help so they can overcome trauma. So I really, really um, thank you guys for in listening to our podcast and for being here with us today. And like we said in the beginning of the podcast, if these... Um, are triggering or you feel like you need some some help you can also look at the description box um, below and we will see you guys on the next podcast I really appreciate it thank you guys
0: thank you so much um, just remember that once you share this information the more we educate the more lives we are saving the more we share this story with so many other people the more people are coming to mujeres unidas to, to receive support services so remember Mujeres Unidas is open um, every single day, ready to answer those calls. If you ever feel like you're ready to speak up, just give us a call and, and we're more than happy to help you. Thank you so much for joining us, for listening, and we hope to see you on our next podcast. Thank you.